Alright, happy Monday everyone. It's a brand new week and thank you for tuning in again for another episode of Empowering Monday brought to you by the Malaysian Business Magazine online. I am your host, Soraya Monday. And before I introduce our guest for today, I'd like to pose a question to parents out there. How have you been coping with kids adjusting to learning or continuing education at home while we are still under the CMCO. Um, the government has announced uh, a few days ago that uh, the MCO has now been eased into the CMCO. Uh, but how has it been, especially since uh, you know kids and uh, university goers have been uh, not being not been able to go to school? Uh, they've been stuck at home. Uh, you've had to assist in uh, home learning. Uh, and uh, I'm sure this is new for most parents out there. And I'm sure for the uh, kids, uh, school goers and university goers, this is something that they've never encountered before. So um, today, uh, my guest for today is uh, actually going to uh, speak a little bit on the efforts uh, that uh, the foundation uh, has uh, put together in order to assist and ensure that students from all walks of life uh, have continued access to their education. Um, and allow me to introduce Datin Kathleen Chu, Program, Program Director of the YPL Foundation to share with all of you how the foundation is assisting in mitigating this problem. Welcome, Datin. Hello. Hi. Hi. Okay. So, um, as uh, I think uh, most of my audience uh, would know already by now, I usually start the session with some rapid fire questions just so that the audience uh, can get to know you a bit better. Uh, may I start with the first question? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, couldn't hear you just now. All right. Um, Dustin, where did you go to school? Um, I was in Asunta Secondary School in PJ. So I'm an Asuntarian through and through from primary school to secondary school. Okay. Uh, just a, a quick one on that. I was supposed, I would have gone to Asunta um, had my mom not uh, put me in Kondong Bukit Nanas because I'm a PJ girl. Oh, our rival. My mother was from Convent Bukit Nana, so I can't say that much. <laughs> yeah, the two best schools. Yes. That's all we need to yes. say. The two best schools, yes. Uh, but I, I, I have many dear friends from Asunta, so good memories uh, with uh, you know people from there. Okay, um, what do you currently do, Latin? Um, I'm group legal counsel. Uh, for YTL, so I'm a lawyer, and uh, yeah, but part of my job scope is also being the program director of YTL Foundation. So I oversee the programs um, that we've been doing, um, you know, for the past, uh, yeah, quite a long time now. Yeah. All right, um, and we'll dive more into uh, the YTL Foundation initiative uh, shortly, yeah? Okay, um, what's your favorite book or hobby? My favorite book currently is called Education. Okay. And it's a book written by Tara Westover. 
So it was on the bookshelves. And because, um, yeah, of my work with YTL Foundation, I mean, the word education just really blew me. So I just bought the book kind of on the blind. And it is absolutely fascinating. It's about a girl who grew up in Idaho, okay. in, the, in the middle of the US, yeah. and never went to school. Okay. And how she um, really almost self-taught herself, went through university, ended up with a PhD from Cambridge. Wow. And you know, yeah, so it's really like super inspiring how, you know, someone can lift herself out of her circumstances mm -hmm. and what important, how important education is. So yeah, it's a, her memoirs. So it's an amazing book. Highly recommend it. Wow. Okay. I've not, I've not picked that one up yet, so I must go and find it. Uh, but yes, yeah. education, I mean, uh, it's so interesting that that is uh, in, tangent, in tandem with what we'll be talking about today. Um, and uh, we'll dive a bit more into that uh, later as well. Um, but uh, out of curiosity, who has inspired you, Rekin? Well, I think more recently, I um, went to a conference in London and I heard this guy speak and his name is Brian Stevenson. He's a human rights lawyer. Mm -hmm. So it kind of really resonated with me what he's doing because he's a lawyer and he's fighting for people on death row. Um, he's black, American, from a poor family, you know, managed to get to Harvard because his grandmother really pushed him mm. and decided to go back to Alabama, you know, to, to really fight injustice. Mm. And it is so inspiring what he's done. I mean, I heard him speak and at the conference that we were at, everyone I think in the conference was in tears by the time he finished because he was talking about children, juveniles being sentenced to death row, wow. um, about innocent people being arrested just because they were black, you know, and, you know, almost they had no chance because of their race. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's been fighting for. So, and, and that's today, you know, I mean, it's not like something that we're reading from Martin Luther King. It is yeah. happening today. Yeah. And so, you know, his, his, heart and compassion, his, um, you know, legal knowledge. I mean, he, he was like truly inspiring. And I, I just, I mean, why again he comes top to mind because I watched the movie, too. I read his book, it's called Just Mercy and the movie came out and I watched it two days ago. Yeah, and uh, he, he's uh, totally inspiring. But if you ever get the chance as well, he's on, uh, I think, TED Talks, Ooh, Brian yeah. Stevenson. Okay. Right, yeah, amazing, amazing uh, communication. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you. It's amazing also how you know when you're uh, faced with uh, difficulties that you know to overcome such difficulties in the process you inspire people, right? And I think this is what he has done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what he himself went through and what he is willing to go through, yeah. you know, to save the people that he's working. Yeah, uh, that that ethos of you know generosity and philanthropy is something that uh, I think uh, is very key, especially in this day and age. And we'll talk a bit more about that later. Uh, but uh, my final uh, rapid fire question would be: If you lived in an alternate universe, uh, what would be your dream job or your dream profession? Okay, this one. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in an alternative universe where there are no boundaries to, as to what buildings or homes look like, yeah. yeah, I want to be an architect. Yeah, 
I, I love design. I love architecture. And I think that would be my dream job. Wow. Yeah, if not, if not kind of doing what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing now, but if I ever thought of an alternative, that would be it. So interior design and architecture is uh, something you're passionate about. Um, yeah. I think that might be a topic for our, my next interview with you. How about that? <laughs> we, can have, we can have a tour of maybe your office and I'm sure it, it shows in uh, either your office or your home, uh, you know, this passion for design and, and uh, architecture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, let's, uh, let's go to the topic uh, today. Um, and uh, uh, as I had mentioned earlier, um, it is quite timely that the YTL Foundation together with South Asia and uh, yes, uh, has stepped up to support the needs of underprivileged students to enable continuous learning during this MCO and during this pandemic period. Um, for the viewers out there who are not probably as uh, aware of what uh, is happening uh, when it comes to the education uh, situation, uh, could, I think could you share a little bit uh, what learn from home what the learn from home initiative is and how has the response from the public been so far yeah so it really started you know when we knew the mco uh well was announced because we are always focused on education at ytl foundation i think the first thing that we asked ourselves was what is going to happen to the kids now that the schools are going to be closed mm -hmm. and i think we said to ourselves as well realistically the MCO, when it was announced, was two weeks. But, you know, the chances of schools reopening in two weeks was really slim. Right. So we kind of said, like, what would be the greatest concern of parents, mm. you know, at this time when their kids can't go to school and they're the, where, when they're at home? So we had a hypothesis. We had a hypothesis because of all our work over the years with parents and schools and children that parents would be, you know, apart from safety, apart from making sure they have enough food, would be, you know, what is going to happen to their education? It's going to be disrupted mm -hmm. and they would be concerned. Mm -hmm. Two, you know, um, online learning would be an obvious solution at a time when we're all isolated and we have to be at home. But do parents have enough data? You know, if they have a device, would they at this time when jobs are uncertain, especially in a lower income community, right, where we know that a lot of daily wage workers are, how are they going to afford, even if they had a phone or a computer at home to pay for the data for online learning? And thirdly, do they have, how many people have enough devices, right? So the, our hypothesis was they, they would need more device, they would need more data and education would be top of mind. But we thought, let's, let's test it out. So we sent out a survey very quickly. Um, and because of the years of working with many different communities, we were able to reach quite a lot of people. So about 900 res people responded within two days. And it bore out what we thought. I mean, 95% of parents said, yes, we want our kids to continue learning. 50% of people said, we have data, but maybe not enough data to facilitate online learning. And um, I think about 5% said we have no device at all, you know, that it would be suitable. Um, and uh, so kind of based on this, you know, the, the survey results, 
we said to ourselves, okay, within the YTL group, YTL Foundation is really funded by the YTL group. What can we do? You know, the people who are responding to frontliners, give medical care, food aid, but what was in our expertise? So within the group, we had, of course, yes, like the telecommunications company. So data was something that we could address. Right. And then for learning content, because parents would be worried about disruption in education, we had another company called Frog Asia, who is an edutech company. So their expertise is putting learning content onto an electronic platform. So the obvious thing for us to do was to talk to both of them and say, come guys, can we get together as our response, as our responsibility during this time to serve the nation? And so very quickly, we came up with um, this Learn From Home scheme where we launched it by giving um, 40 gigabytes of data, a free SIM with 40 gigabytes of data um, to any parent with children in a government school. I mean, this was, you know, obviously we we're not really addressing people in private schools, but government schools. So as long as you had a child in a government school, you could apply for a SIM up to five sims per family wow. so um yeah so if you have five children you know you can have uh, you know 20 gigabytes it uh, it's fine with us and so and this wasn't really um targeted at a particular community it was just made available to everyone um but when um the application started coming in we saw applications that were from like really weird places that the team didn't know what to do with, right? So they had like Belakang Masjid as an address. Wow. And like, does it really, uh, do people have an address? How can we deliver a SIM to Belakang Masjid, right? Mm-hmm. Or like uh, Kilometer Empat, you know, it, it was kind of weird. So we thought either these people, maybe they're not so literate and they don't fill in their address properly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and another one was which my daughter pointed out to me because she was helping out. She said, mom, this is ridiculous. Balai Bomba, who lives in a Balai Bomba? So I said, maybe it is the fireman, right? And he lives there. So what the team did was they took all these so-called dodgy addresses and there were hundreds and hundreds of them. So they divided it all out and they went on Google Maps and they searched and they couldn't find some of these places. And then they matched against the IC and the IC actually also said, I live in Kilometer empat, you know, jala or whatever highway, mm-hmm. and and then we kind of came to the realization that really I think the scheme was really going. You know, people who really needed it, who needed the help, were applying for the free sims. Mm-hmm. So the the team were like, okay, fine, we're doing the right thing. So let let's yeah. carry on doing it. Yeah. And uh, that so that's one thing. And then we then um, decided that. What about those who really are on the fringe, right? That they don't even have a device that the kid can use to learn. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot of parents have maybe a handphone, but maybe either it's 3G, it's not a smartphone, mm-hmm. or they need it for whatever their work they're doing mm-hmm. and they can't let the kids have it. So we said, okay, for the B40 community, we would also give smartphones. So we have a scheme where we give you uh, give a smartphone um, and we give a data plan for a year um, to whoever applies. But that scheme is really limited to the B40 community. They have to show us um, their 
I think uh, with the Banton Prihatin, yeah. yeah, there's a website. So they just have to show us that, you know, they are registered on the website and then, you know, they can apply to the phone. The only thing is we say one phone per family because otherwise, it would, you know, we don't have enough phones to give out. Yeah. Um, and, and then the most important, really, I mean, people get very excited about free, 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 but actually the most important is the learning content. Yeah. So uh, from Asia, uh, we have put together lessons and the lessons started by kind of being week one. So week one of MCO, what are you going to miss in school? Mm-hmm. So we kind of talked to teachers and we knew like where the schools were at, you know, in April, March, April. And then so we put the lessons that we had um, for those uh, periods um, online as well. Okay. So that's you know really the start of it. Right. So there's there's a lot of key things that I can uh, pick up from what you've just mentioned. Uh, Number one is that um, it is a testament of how quickly uh, you manage to mobilize your team to address this issue. Because, uh, you know, going, uh, trying to kind of stop down a person's address, a blackout masjid, it's not an easy task. Uh, so I think, you know, that's, that's, that's a big undertaking. Um, and how, how is it, uh, or how do you uh, kind of approach your team when it comes to situations like this? Because, you know, this is something that is not part of their job scope. And I, I, the reason why I'm going into this is, you know, um, a lot of businesses are affected and a lot of industries are affected. And I think also people are not quick enough to pivot. But in your mm. case, you know, the foundation has pivoted very quickly to see to, to, to realize an issue, to say, okay, what can we do? How do we address this? And then let's mobilize. So is it part of the team DNA that you are very quick to kind of adapt? I think it's really because the senior leadership in the company all came together and decided that this is what we were all going to do. So it's really leadership, right, from the top. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Can no you, worries. Yeah, is that something we need? No yeah. And so, yeah, really, um, so our chairman, which is uh, Pansri Francis, and, and the board endorsed this. So when, when you have leadership from the top, I, I read somewhere, you know, in the time of crisis, it's not just leaders who matter, but also good followers. Yeah. And so I think the teams were good followers. Mm-hmm. And because the leadership believed in what we were doing, you know, it actually inspired everyone to do this. And seriously, you know, people in, in um, water communications, the YES team, they were really the first week of trying to get this off the ground. These guys hardly slept. They were just working round the clock. I mean, ProVasia team as well was working round the clock because we had to get all the back-end systems, the delivery systems, mm. you know, all the IT, everything kind of online before we launched. And so it was really trying to, I mean, and they had to cope with kids at home and, and you know, everything else that we yeah. had to cope with. Yeah. But yeah, it was things like when, when they find out that people actually live in such remote places and these were the people they, they were touching, and I, I tell you, the, the one that made us all cry was when our IT, the head of IT, 
Um, and uh, he, he's the one that shouldered a lot of the responsibility because he was pulling everybody together and he was really not sleeping very much. And one morning he sent us a photograph. So one of the applications had come in and this photograph of these three kids in Labuan mm. who lived in a little uh, house on top of the river and they held up a death certificate of their father mm. because the mother wasn't sure that she could apply because... Somehow she didn't have an IC, but she had a citizenship certificate. Her, father, her husband had passed away mm. and she had these three kids. And so she took a picture of the three kids with mm. the death certificate. And uh, I mean, so he sent this picture to all of us and he said, look, it made me cry. Mm. But you know, it's things like this that kept the team going. Yeah. That when you know that you're, you're really kind of making a difference yeah. to the people who need it most at this time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very humbling. I mean, this initiative clearly, uh, you know, reflects the, the mindset and the mentality and the ethos uh, of what the foundation and the YTL group stands for. And it's very humbling. And, uh, uh, I, I, you know, there should be more organizations and entities like you. Um, but, yeah, um, coming back to the... Um, the actual program itself. So uh, if I was uh, to, make, uh, to understand correctly from what you shared earlier, uh, there'll be three phones that will be given out uh, together with data. Um, and uh, the focus or the priority would be the B4C families. Uh, is that correct? Yes. 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 Okay. Uh, how, how are these students selected? Are they, uh, you know, uh, I recall you mentioned that you know they write in or they go to the website. Is that correct? Yeah. So we have a, a, a method where we ask people to nominate because we know that in some of these uh, communities they won't even know how to do this, right? Yeah. I mean, they might not even have heard of this. Right. So what we asked was either if you're a teacher and you know that your child, your student needs this help, or you're an NGO working in a community. Or even if you're a good neighbor, you know, knowing right. that somebody, yeah, needs help. So you can nominate. So they, um, and, and we just feel that if someone takes the effort to nominate another person, you know, it, we can trust that it, yes. it, it's not just out of self-interest, right? So um, we, we've had like teachers who have nominated their students. There's one teacher who nominated 126 of her students. Wow. And yeah, do you know how long it takes to fill in a form? Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and she filled in a form for them, 126 of them. Wow. You know, and, and that's the kind of people, you know, you just see so many of this. There was one teacher in a, from Sarawak, I don't know where, some interior school. And he said, he wrote on our Facebook page, and he said, I have nominated the kids that I know, but there will be many more. And he said, you know, these families are not very literate. So when you get a response from them and, and they call you up, it was so sweet. He said, can you please have empathy with their situation? Do not be impatient with them if they take a long time to answer you. Be patient because these people need your help. Wow. I mean, it was, yeah. I'm really tearing up right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just people kind of really stepping forward yeah. out of their comfort zone to do this. Right. And, um, you know, of course we have the NGOs, right? 
So we have um, guys like Ideas Academy, um, Generasi Gemilang. Um, we have uh, one of our partners for a long time is uh, an organization called Global Peace Foundation. They're a great uh, organization. They, they work with Orang Asli. Um, they work with the communities in East Malaysia. And so through them, uh, they, they went to the Kampong and then, um, I mean, I think to phone, right, because it's MCO. So then they got the head of the Kampong mm -hmm. to kind of put down all the children and families who needed this help. And so they then put it all in a nice spreadsheet and then they nominated all these people. You know, and, and just today, just today, I got these photographs of the children receiving their phones. And again, these community leaders showing them how to um, set up the phones. Wow. And it, yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of community effort going on. And then the wonderful thing is that tomorrow, those kids will be able to log in to online lessons that Wajah Foundation provides an online platform as well right. um, for... Um, students in well either they're stateless children or we have uh, children from like PPR communities in central and we've been running this for like a couple of years now but when um, the MCO happened we just took all the lessons on, uh, online and through zoom mm -hmm. and and educated actually all these families and the teachers how to use zoom so now they're all expert after seven weeks of MCO these kids you just see them online you know they know exactly what to do and so tomorrow we will bring 24 kids from Kampong Sion, from Sarawak, into that classroom. Wow. I just thought, well, how cool it is yeah. that these kids from Sarawak are joining kids from Kuala Lumpur, and, you know, yeah. and they're all going to be in the same classroom. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is yeah that, you're, not only, you're not only enabling them uh, to get access to the content, but that you're also fostering community involvement. Yeah, um, that is lovely. I mean, you know, uh, because it 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 needs it takes a leader or or an organization to lead. Otherwise, you know, uh, the community will not come together. And you've obviously done that uh, to foster uh, more collaboration between organizations and the community. Uh, you mentioned some partners uh, that you work with. Uh, which are also supporting this initiative. And, um, you know, uh, I, I hope more will come uh, step up and offer their services to be part of this uh, wonderful initiative. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the ones I've mentioned are actual NGOs right. who's, who's yeah, doing this type of work. But today, yeah, we, we got a call from Deloitte. Wow. And, you know, yeah, so they want to be part of this because they... They, it, as part of their own CSR, mm -hmm. they work with some uh, PPR communities, and mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah, we really hope that will you know something will come of that, and that the, the material that we make available because they can use this online material that we have, and you know to to reach those communities. A lot of people have been doing on the ground work, right? So they're not prepared for kind of moving online. So Deloitte had a scheme where they would actually go, their volunteers would actually go to these communities, teach the kids. But now, you know, online resources is a different thing altogether. And we can provide that support to them. Mm. You know, so that's where I think the communities really just need to come together and just break down those walls. Sometimes we're very siloed, right? So if I'm YTL, I'm doing YTL. 
if you are Deloitte, PwC, or whoever, you know, you, you kind of sit in your silo and claim that um, whatever program you're doing. But it's really time to just break down the silos and see whoever's doing, um, you know, good work, you know, if we can support them. It's just like, and when I started, I said, you know, this is what we do best. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that we haven't been supporting like with food aid. So some communities will come to us and say, we really need uh, to provide food. And in that case, it's easy. I mean, it's in a way, we, we kind of just fund them right. um, to provide that. But we're not good at getting the food and distributing it. You know, that's not our expertise. So we will support the people who do that. But, you know, this is what we do best on the education platform. And so if there's anyone out there listening to your show and, yeah, who really need our help to provide the content, the learning content to them, the data, you know, please just approach us. Yes, I think that's very uh, important. So if there are any uh, deserving uh, people or deserving students, uh, you know, please reach out to them. Uh, check out the YPL Foundation website for more info. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, reach out to the foundation. Um, I'm sure there are some eligibility criteria, but uh, I think the other call I want to make is to other organizations to think that, you know, they can be of service to this initiative. Please do reach out. I mean, um, uh, what better way to assist in, you know, getting education into the homes of students? Uh, you know, uh, this is obviously a very key initiative uh, and uh, it will be really great to see this uh, not only affecting certain selected, selected students, but even more. I mean, that's, um, what are the numbers you, you've got right now as far as uh, students that, that have received the phones and the, the SIM cards? Um, how many have received? I, I mean, I, the numbers keep changing, obviously, but we've had, let me say, hundreds of thousands of applications. We can't fulfill all of them. Um, some of them are from M40 communities as well, so that, then they get kicked out. Or some are multiple applications. Um, but uh, I mean, suffice to say, you know, for SIM cards, it's in the hundreds of thousands. In phones, we're still going through the process of um, delivering. And it, it has been a, a much more difficult process with the phones because these people are really from the B40 community. So, you know, someone, our process is that someone nominates them. Mm -hmm. So, um, say, say the teacher who wanted to nominate 126 uh, students, right? So, after the nomination is approved, the parents actually have to kind of sign up for the program because the teacher can't sign up because she can't be responsible. Right. So, that's the next step. And we have found that, you know, it is not easy, especially with the MCO. I mean, if, if it wasn't, the teacher could go to their homes or somehow help them out. But with the MCO, it's, it's a very slow process for yeah. people in that community to know how to do this. Okay. So um, we keep sending them reminders, please do sign up. Um, but it's been slow. You know, but but we, we, you know, we continue to work on that. Right, right. Okay, well... Um you know, that, uh, that in this, this show that uh, we're on right now is called Empowering Monday. As uh, I feel that especially more so now, uh, given the current economic and the current health situation, we have a responsibility 
to seek for ways on how we can empower ourselves to overcome the challenges. Um, and uh, I think this initiative that the YPR Foundation is leading right now definitely echoes uh, the sentiment of empowerment. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, could you share your thoughts on how individuals and businesses can uh, empower themselves through vehicles uh, like education and learning? Yeah, well, I, I mean, uh, maybe I'll tell you about some of the other programs that we've run. Yeah, so uh, I think the first, what we really started with as YTL Foundation um, in the 90s was giving scholarships. I mean, that was a very obvious way of empowering individuals. And we've had, again, you know, you, you look out for those one or two stories yeah. and one of two people that you've helped and where they've really taken off. So our first scholar was this um, Dr. Nara. Well, he's now Dr. Nara, he's a surgeon, but he was this little boy from Teluk Intan. Father was a rubber tapper, passed away, mother was a tailor, and the teachers had to pay his school fees. Mm -hmm. And I knew somebody who knew his family and said, will you support this boy? Mm -hmm. And it was 50 ringgit a month, so why wouldn't we support him? Mm -hmm. Anyway, we took him from school through medical school, He's now a uh, you know, surgeon and it, you know, it's really empowering people like him and he now, um, like his mother then had kidney failure and you know, he could volunteer in a clinic so that his mother could get dialysis and he can actually help his, the people from his village. He's the first person from his rubber estate who ever went to university and became a doctor. I mean, that is such an empowering story and he's out there now and you know doing his part right and so as the scholars that we have we nurture them um we give them scholarships but we make sure that you know we keep in touch with them we have a leadership program for them to attend and and then they come out so if uh some of them were engineers and so on they work uh, they can work for ytl the ones who are like doctors dentists and all you know they, they just go and we just say to them just you know go help the world you know we want you to come back if you're an overseas scholar come back to malaysia you know do something for your country mm -hmm. and as part of this learn from home initiative we have quite a few of them who volunteered to be out um help with the content creation because um going back to kind of how we create content teach for malaysia is our content partner and their teachers will create uh, the lesson plan. So they know the curriculum, they break down the lessons, they put the lesson plan together. And then there's a bit of technical stuff to do to put, to create the lesson on a, on a digital platform. And people like our scholars, you know, they will come in and they do the research, they find the right content and they, they put it together. So they build the lesson. So it's, it's really um, a good effort for them. I think for the scholars, they find it meaningful that they are also kind of contributing in a larger way and um, so that, that's you know one of the programs that we do our scholarship program and we're very proud of our scholars and then um, what we started last year was talking about empowerment you know our, our vision is you know that's our, our tagline better societies through better education and so what we really want to do with better education is building society right we talked about communities you know, that's really important and so we started this thing called the Acumen Fellowship last year. Mm -hmm. So Acumen 
is a fund that's run out of New York. And it started by this wonderful, amazing woman called Jacqueline Novogratz. Do, do you know Ackerman? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, she's just launched a new book as well. Another mm-hmm. great read. Yeah. Is it out already? It's still on pre-order. Uh, no, it's out now. It's out already. I think okay. it's out, yeah, two days ago. Okay, because and the last I saw it was on pre-order. Must get that. Okay. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. So, yeah, I met Jacqueline and, you know, she is about um, building young leaders for the future based on their character and moral leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, that the world will need people who have integrity and leaders who are, you know, not not just there for political gain or for power, but really people of character, right? And um, it just so resonated with what we're doing. So, you know, whilst we help try to help schools kind of teach better, educate the kids better, whilst we have a scholarship scheme that tries to bring up these now young people, you know, and give them the education that they need to empower them. And then what happens when they leave university and they start working? So the Ackerman Fellowship really takes young people, young working adults who, you know, are trying to um, address two things, like issues of poverty and the other thing is social justice. So last year, we had the privilege of, I mean, I was in this uh, selection committee and we interviewed, you know, about 50 people out of the, you know, uh, these were the shortlisted 50 people. And so we've chosen 20 as our, our fellows. So they are an amazing cohort of young people trying to really make a difference. And, um, you know, talking, yeah, that, that I think is, you know, what we really want to concentrate on as well. You know, and having taken people through a journey and then giving them the tools, you know, to kind of stay true to their purpose. You know, that when they go to this one-year fellowship, it's not just about learning about, um, uh, you know, how, how you manage uh, conflicts or how you navigate through difficulties, but it's also building a community. Because, you know, why, how, how do you hold true to your purpose? Is when you have fellows around you and say, hey guys, you know, remember, that's what you started. Don't deviate from your course. And we hold each other accountable. And so that's what really the fellowship about. They, they spend a year thinking through their purpose, thinking and looking at examples. So one of the wonderful elements of the Ackerman Fellowship Program, the seminars, is good society reading. So you read about you know, what Plato thought about society, what Mandela thought about society, and these great people, and kind of reflect on it into your own lives and how you want you know, to make a difference yourself and what is your purpose and then be accountable as a community and yeah so that that's um, what we're doing at think, Foundation. I think it's amazing that you know you you uh, somewhat created your own uh, you know through the fellowship uh, through, through your programs uh, you've actually created your own community of people who are willing to uh, you know support and serve uh, which in this day and age is very, very important. Um, and uh, I think, you know, that you, you mentioned something about, you know, having good people or, or, or uh, inspirational people around you, right? Um, yeah. As a quote somewhere, I can't remember who said it, but, uh, you know, the, the, you are the reflection of the five people you spend the most of your time with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's, that's, that's great that you've, kind of fostered this uh, community 
of people who are wanting to learn more from each other. Um, and it, it's lovely to see that. Um, so you've got multiple programs, obviously, that the, the foundation is focusing on. Um, is there, uh, uh, I mean, uh, con considering that the YTL group is known for working its way up from very humble roots, um, and I, is there any focus right now uh, to work with small businesses uh, to empower them through the current economic uncertainty? Uh, coming back to you know uh, our chat just now on empowerment, uh, is there anything that uh, you know maybe small businesses could do or could emulate from what YTL uh, has uh, gone through? Yeah, and in that respect, I mean, that's not our main, wouldn't be our main focus. Um, but through the fellowship, because a lot of our fellows are social entrepreneurs, mm. you know, so Acumen believes that um, we can use the tools of business and entrepreneurship to serve the poor or serve the communities that are underserved. So uh, there's a lot of good that, you know, businesses can do if they focus on the right things. So Business doesn't necessarily mean it's all bad business, right? And um, so these young people that we have, I think half of them have social enterprises right. that try to empower communities. Mm -hmm. And so those would be the people that we would concentrate on. Even Acumen itself, um, as the global organization, has just launched a fund to help the fellows if they were facing uh, economic strains like they can't pay employees. Um, or uh, they were investing more in programs to help people in this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Acumen started a fund out of New York, and our fellows here can also apply um, for disbursements out of this fund if they were facing any of these challenges. And so our job here is to also support them. And at YTR Foundation level, yeah, we definitely, you know, if our fellows were facing a hard time, we would be there for them. And you know whether or not it is uh, through a grant, whether it's just kind of giving them um, advice or um, just corporate support, you know, going through this hard time. So I, just very simply, at the moment, we're all going back to work, and we all have to wear face masks, right? <laughs> one of the SOPs. And uh, so one of um, our fellows who helps these uh, refugee women earn a living. So her, her whole enterprise is about how do you teach life skills right, to women so that they can earn a living because without earning a living, nothing else works. So she's this, this wonderful girl who's like helping them like make earrings and accessories that you know, they can sell. And so now we said to her, what about, you know, you can try to make some face masks, right? And we'll buy them from you uh, for our employees because we, we need to do that when they come back to work. So it's kind of trying to support these little enterprises, as you say, um, you know, through this period. And they will all face stresses because if you think about, you know, big business is going to be affected, SMEs are going to be affected, but these social entrepreneurs, now who's, who wants to pay? You know, before that, we kind of like, okay, never mind, let's buy from a social entrepreneur because it's trying to do good. Now everybody's trying to survive. And, you know, that might not be, the top of mind for anyone. Mm -hmm. So we definitely will be there for all of our yeah. uh, fellows who are you know, uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah, right. 
Um, yeah, uh, you mentioned something as far as social uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, they are one of the uh, communities that are obviously affected or, or the people that they support within their social entrepreneur uh, ecosystem uh, will definitely be affected uh, during this difficult time. Uh, but like you said, you know, empowering everyone in the community is key. Because there's yeah. no point in just, uh, you know, giving out, uh, you know, spoon feeding uh, if they don't learn how to empower themselves. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's very key, I, I believe. Um, what is, uh, I, I want to be, I want to be mindful of your time, because um, I know you're very busy, but uh, what's next for YTL Foundation uh, moving forward? Yeah, I think, you know, coming out of this uh, crisis, we see that we have a role to play in, um, I think, supporting parents with more content. Mm. Um, yeah, so previously, we were very focused on schools and students and teachers. So, you know, we, we have different programs, like we have a leadership program that we... Um, that deals with school leaders, empowering school leaders. We have, yeah, various other things, but we never looked at parents. We never kind of looked at parents as, yeah, one of the people, you know, a group of people we need to support. And just going into this Learn From Home initiative and looking at the research out there, it has made us realize that parents are actually a critical component of the child's education. We kind of knew it before, but we never looked at the research. So if a parent is very focused on the child's education, it makes a huge difference. So I think, you know, we will kind of continue um, this um, investment in how we can support parents. Uh, we've started conversations um, even with academics um, and other organizations, yeah, to see, you know, how we can further do this. So we might, as part of it, we, we're producing lessons. And then we're talking to parents. So what, what, what we've also done in the last few weeks is after the parents have used the lessons, we've, asked, uh, we've gone out with a survey to ask parents, so how have you found the lessons? Have you found it useful? What else can we do for you? So parents have come back with various things saying like, I'm not a teacher, so can you give me a, a simple guide how I can actually be the teacher at home and things like this. So we're continuing to work on this so that we can support parents more. So I think going forward, we definitely will look at the parents' role in education, you know, not just the school and the teachers. And uh, I think the other thing that, you know, I'm really passionate about is this, uh, um, the, the, you know, development of young leadership, you know, really that's, our country needs that, I think. You know, we really need to invest in our young people. And the young people are so ready for it. Mm -hmm. You know, whilst, uh, I mean, people say all sorts of negative things about millennials, but millennials have a huge heart and a huge desire, you know, to change things for the better. Mm -hmm. And so with the fellowship, we think that's the beginning of what we're doing to empower young people, and we will continue to invest in that. So you're, you're definitely supporting the 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 needs of the current, uh, you know, uh, young uh, through the, the fellowship and the foundation. Um, and uh, I, what you mentioned about enabling the parents to facilitate education at home is pretty interesting because I can just imagine how difficult a parent or what, you know, uh, the, the kind of uh, situation a parent endures at home or goes through at home 
you know, with suddenly having to facilitate learning for their yeah. kids. Um, and uh, it can be quite stressful, I can imagine. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I mean, I, I, I think I mentioned that to you, I'm a mother of seven. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's not an easy task. Yeah, I mean, teachers are, teachers have a different level of patience. You know, they are almost godlike when it comes to patience, right? Uh, I'm not a parent, but, you know, uh, I, I can just imagine what kind of, uh, you know, harrowing experiences this past one month has been. Uh, but it's great to see that you're actually coming up with a program for parents uh, because it is already stressful at home, I'm sure, this past one month. Yes. Uh, you know, financial stress, uh, you know, relationship stress, and then add on to that, uh, the parent is having to educate or to facilitate the child's learning. Uh, so this is also a great initiative, uh, definitely. Is this going to be rolled out in Tennessee? Yeah, I think it will. I, we, we are already engaging um, the academics who are looking at this. I mean, it's, it's just even very simple things like just telling parents, I mean, on mental health, right? Don't worry about it, you know? When you can't cope, just just understand that you can't cope and let it go. Uh, you know, just simple tips and, and you know, things like this. Um, yeah, and maybe we'll be working with... Um, one of our partner organizations in Singapore to be able to do this both for Malaysia and Singapore. Right. So yeah, that will be an exciting project. It will be. It will be. Keep us updated. Uh, and if uh, the viewers would like to know more, where can they go to find information on uh, either how they can support or they can, you know, uh, uh, maybe apply for your programs? Uh, is there a website? Is there a Facebook page? Um, yeah, our website is uh, whitefoundation.org uh, slash learn. Learn, okay. Um, yeah, so it, it, I mean, or you can just go to our website, which is whitefoundation.org, um, and you find information there. Email us if um, you have queries, if you want to partner with us, and it's whitefoundation at whitefoundation.com.my. YTL Foundation at ytl.com.my. Okay, we'll put it there uh, right under the screen as well in, in text so that uh, the viewers can actually uh, capture that. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it, 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 if you're not sure, if you didn't catch it, Google YTL Foundation. I'm sure you'll be able to get it all there, right? Yes. Okay, well, thank you so much, Jatin. This has been actually very uh, informative, uh, very humbling, uh, personally for myself, uh, to know that, you know, such an organization is doing so much for the community. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the kids and the university goers are our future. So, you know, investing in them is the, I feel is the right thing to do. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're thankful to YTL and the foundation, YTL foundation, uh, for spearheading this for actually um, stepping up and uh, facilitating and enabling the community to rally together uh, to kind of give back uh, to those who are mo most deserving. Um, and before uh, we wrap up, I just want to ask you one last question. 
this is a surprise because I didn't prep you for this, but uh, what would you like, what is on your first priority once MCO, once we're able to get back to the normal? Oh, do, do you know, I, I, I've been so privileged that I have been at home with my whole family during this whole time. Wow. And we've really had a really great family time. You know, we're normally so busy. We're all over the world. We're traveling all the time. But this is the time when we're all together. And so, you know, I, I can say I will really miss this time if the MCO is lifted and we all go on our separate ways again. So I think it's a reverse for me. Instead really? of something I'm really looking forward to doing, I will miss, yeah, this time together. Wow. See, there's always a blessing behind everything, right? And, uh, you know, I think uh, this MCO has been challenging, but at the same time, it's been a blessing. Uh, I always tell myself, this is probably uh, God's way or, you know, the universe's way of saying time out to everyone and just say, yes. you know, time out. You guys have not been doing what, you know, you're supposed to do now, you know. I'm going to make you guys just sit and think and be together. So it has been interesting and I'm sure uh, it's lovely to hear what, uh, that, you know, you're, you've had a lot of family time. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, uh, our relationship uh, with our families have been strengthened during this time for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Dustin, thank you so much again for your time. Um, and, you know, thank you, the, thank, thank you to the audience for tuning in. Uh, tune in again next week for another episode of Empowering Monday brought to you by the Malaysian Business Magazine Online. Uh, don't forget to check out YTL Foundation and uh, their program. Uh, and if you'd like to support, reach out to them. They're doing a lot of amazing stuff to help the community. Uh, until then, stay safe, stay home, and stay empowered. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you so much.